The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome to another edition of 1111 Talk Radio. My guest today is Krishna Das. He has been named as yoga's rock star and definitely one of the pioneers of beautiful world music. He listened to the call and responded to chanting out to yoga centers, concert halls, and became a worldwide icon and best-selling chant artist of all time with over 300,000 records sold. His recently released book, which we're going to talk about today, is Chants of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold. And his wisdom, his music have touched lives all over the world, and now we would like to bring him to you so that you can hear some of that as well. Welcome, Krishna Das, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. Bye. You're talking about me, huh? <laughs> it, no must idea. Be, it must be uh, sometimes quite awe-inspiring to hear yourself talked about, because you really have been a pioneer, particularly in the world music genre and for the West. Uh, when when you hear about how you've touched so many lives in so many places and really brought this music forward, what does that feel like? Uh, it's very humbling. Uh, I I don't really think about it that much, you know. I I I'm just sharing the practice and the connection that works for me that has helped me over these so many years. And and uh, if I thought about all those other things, I. I wouldn't have time to do my practice. <laughs> and, and a practice is really very important. A lot of people have different types of practices, and your music is your spiritual practice. Is that correct? Definitely, yeah. Definitely. It's a meditative practice, even though it involves music. And But what we're chanting are these mantras, which they call the names of God, which come from India. Uh, and so it's meditative, but it is musical, too. You began this so many years ago, and uh, you're from the States. How was that in the beginning, starting uh, with something that was definitely different for that time period? How did your, your family react, and how did you have the courage to just follow your own heart as to what was leading you? Well, I wouldn't say it was courage. It was more desperation, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was just trying to save my... Uh, what can I say on the radio here? <laughs> Save my heart. And uh, I was kind of drowning, having my guru had left the body shortly after I came back to America, and I I, I, uh, I kind of crashed pretty heavily. And I um, was just trying to find a way to save myself uh, from, the, from the, the 
pain I found myself in and and all the negativity that I found in my own uh, mind and heart. So I started chanting because this practice involves other people, uh, but it, it, it's not about other people. We're not chanting to people. We're chanting to our own inner being. So... And, and that's an important thing that you say, because I, I think a lot of people have a misconception as to, first of all, what chanting is and what that experience is supposed to give someone or are we doing it for something else. What What is chanting in, in a way that, that listeners can understand it that have not participated before? Well, it's a way of removing the very dark glasses we wear. You know, we look out at the world and at ourselves through very, very dark glasses. We don't see, what we're seeing is very programmed by our own emotional stuff, so to speak, and our own inner problems. And chanting is a practice that lightens up the darkness of those glasses over time so that we can see what actually is. We can see the beauty that lives within us and that lives within everybody. It's not about joining any club. It's not about becoming a Hindu or or a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddhist or anything like that. It's very simply to find out what we already are and who we already are. And there's been so much research, too, about how sound can help to heal the body, how it really does create a vibration that lets us attune in a certain way. Did did you find that sound supported you in physical issues as well? Tell you the truth, I, I, I don't really think about those things very much. This is all about love for me, you know. And it's a way of finding that love inside and then of course finding it everywhere. I I don't I don't pay I just don't have the inclination to uh, involve myself with that kind of those kind of things, you know. There's, there is a yoga of sound. There is all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, but for me, I just want to be uh, plugged in, you know. And when I'm not plugged in or when I lose the awareness of that connection, I want to get back to it. So that's my main... I just have a low tolerance for suffering, I guess. So I just uh, don't spend much time doing those things. And so most of the music that you create and and your uh, desire for chanting and spreading this really is first and foremost for yourself. Yeah, but, you know, your definition of yourself changes over time. At first, it's very, in a way, very small and egocentric, trying to remove your own suffering, remove the, the splinter that's in your own foot, you know. But then... You see, everybody has splinters in their feet, and everybody's getting help removing their own splinters by what you're doing. And so, yeah, you just keep doing it, you know. But you just start to feel that your happiness is partially in res- connected to the happiness of others as well. Your book that you've just released is called Chance of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold. And it, it starts off very strongly because you really you, you allow people to understand that, that your humanness was what we all experience. We, we are searching for something. We have our depressions. We have our different states that we end up in. 
but in your first experience of what you would say spirituality or understanding uh, a little bit of clarity, it seemed to come um, through a friend, and it seemed to come when you had a particular experience, and you saw that very, very clearly who you were in that moment, that, that you were hard and cranky and neurotic and you were depressed and um, and that that wasn't necessarily the way you were supposed to be. You all of a sudden were filled with, with this bliss. Talk about that and then the desire to, to find that place again. Well, I, I think you're talking about when I took peyote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was that. the lights went on there, I have to tell you. You know, uh, uh, the, and the funny thing was, okay, first of all, I, I just saw I, I was in bliss, and I did see that everything around me was full of beauty and love, and that I wasn't really who I thought I was. I mean, I, I wasn't really this small, cranky, neurotic, unhappy person. That I that there was so much more available, but the, the amazing thing about it is that I didn't doubt that at all. What I didn't doubt what I saw it resonated so deeply, you know. And I thought this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it really is. Why am I trapped in this miserable little room, you know, this miserable place? And of course, when it when the experience passed, as all chemically induced experiences will. Um, you know, I suffered terribly trying to find a way to get back to it. And then it was after that I began to understand that these Eastern so-called religions are really methods to, to uh, you know, help us get out of these small, dark rooms we live in. And I began to try to find more about that. Because I recognized that when, if you, you know, catapult yourself up into the, into the atmosphere, you know, you're going to crash. Sure. And it and hurts more coming down, you know, over and over again. So after doing that for a while, I just had to stop. Well, and I wanted to bring that up because although that is um, one way that, that people tap into that uh, sometimes, yeah. um, that we can on our own with the proper practices, and, um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be chanting or, or in this way, but there are many methods, this happens to be yours and it works for a lot of people, where they can tap into that state of bliss. They can go back to that remembrance of who they really are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, like you say, it's who we really are. Um, but, you know, my guru, uh, who is also Ram Dass's guru, he, he he once said he said LSD will bring you into the room with Christ, but you can't stay. Hmm. Only love is the only way to stay. But think of what he said when he it brings you into the room with Christ. Now that's quite a different Christ than we learn about in the in the in the West in the first place. He was talking about the eternal Spirit, you know, the Christ consciousness. Sure. Which which is which in a way has nothing to do with Christianity, other than Jesus manifested that, just like all the great beings who manifest that. So, and he was, but he totally loved Jesus too, you know. So it's very, uh, it's a very unifying kind of experience being with somebody like that. Uh, he he validated our earlier experiences, but at the same time, he pointed out that you know. 
you can't, why keep going back into the room? Once you know it's there, don't you want to really move in full time? And to do that, the only way to do that is love. The only way to do that is love. I am with Krishna Das today. He spent the late 60s traveling across the country as a student of Ram Das. And in 1970, he made a journey to India, which led him to Ramdas's own beloved guru, Neem Karoli Baba, mo- known to most as Maharaji. Given the name Krishnadas, Katie began to chant as part of a following the path of bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion. He took solace in his music after two and a half years with the Maharaji and returned to the U.S., and then came word that his Maharaji had died. He found peace and strength in both Bhakti Yoga, as well as in the many heroes of music, such as Ray Charles, Van Morrison, Steely Dan, and Bruce Springsteen, who he laughingly calls the Bodavista of New Jersey. He is Bodhisattva. co-founder of, of Triloka, Triloka Records, a California-based label specializing in world music that has also released such artists as Jay, Jay Atul, Sarod Virtuoso, Ali Akbar Khan, and legendary jazz musician Jackie McLean. We'll be right back with Krishna Das. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Preparation 2012 and beyond. What does it mean? It means living your life from the authentic self. It means being who you were born to be. It means living a life of joy and self-confidence. Tune in to Elena Radford and Preparation 2012 and beyond every week. Elena will deliver the tools to personally transform your life to prepare for 2012 and beyond. Elena is the pioneer of a new dimension of healing, using her skills as a shaman to support the evolution of new men and women. Preparation 2012 and Beyond is broadcast live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Awakened media for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network. are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. 
Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. My guest today is Krishna Das, and his latest release is Chance of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold. He is with us today to tell us about his story and also for you to listen to a little bit of his music. Uh, right now, I'd like to enter letting you hear Govinda Hare Gopala Hare, taken from the album Heart Full of Soul. This is Krishna Das. I guess I did, actually. 
and <laughs> we do create our realities. What uh, what led you to the singing part? Were you a singer prior to that? Was that something that you yeah. knew you wanted to do, or or did this develop after just resonating with hearing? Yeah, music, music had been a big part of my life, always had, and uh, it was a way of expressing myself and releasing some pressure from inside, you know. And, and but when I got to India, I. Experienced it very differently. The chanting, I experienced the chanting very differently. I saw that these people were able to enter really deeply into into the moment in a way that was beyond me. And um, I wanted to get that. I wanted to figure out how to do that. You know, I I, I knew that one of my problems was that I couldn't really give myself a hundred percent to what I was doing. And, you know, music music is a wonderful tool to uh, open your heart and to open your being and to calm you down and soothe your soul. But if, if it was enough to, to destroy suffering, then every musician would be happy. And that's not the case. So what I experienced in India was that music was was being used along with these as a spiritual practice, as part of a spiritual practice. And in combination with the repetition of the divine names, it was it was helping that practice bring fruit. Um you know, if you, if a baby has to take medicine, many times you hide that medicine in a sweet syrup. And in this case, the syrup is the music and the medicine is the name. And um, the benefits of the, of the syrup are they are sweet and it tastes good, but the benefit of the name is that it, it, it moves you deep more deeply into yourself and begins to purify the heart and and remove the the, the very deeply seated habits of thought that causes such pain. You write in the book that Maharaji was loving you from the inside out. And we we human beings we seem to try to love ourselves from the outside in. Yeah. That was very very powerful uh, when I read it. Of, of how that love comes from the inside out. Yeah, uh, it's quite an experience. I mean, like I said, something I had never experienced before, uh, that kind of love. There was nothing I could do to turn it off, and there was nothing I could do to make it come to me uh, when I wanted it, it, other than letting go and just being there. I couldn't buy it, you know what I mean? I couldn't by his attention when he was giving it it was there uh, but there was no deal made it didn't depend on anything I didn't get it if I was a good boy and I didn't lose it if I was a bad boy it was very powerful well and it's and you also write that he he pushed your buttons it was all from a very loving and compassionate place but part of of what he was to support you in was bringing out those emotions and bringing to surface all of those things 
that are embedded inside and and perhaps what you were just speaking of those beliefs that that we have to do something or be something to get that love things like that he seemed yeah. to pull that out of the students that he had or the disciples that he had yeah definitely uh definitely all kinds of crazy things would happen and he it would seem like he was just sitting there you know not doing anything and yet everybody was going through so much stuff but then in the end you would just realize that it was your stuff that was keeping you out of it and you had to let go of it it just became so obvious the stuff became so obvious that you had no you had no you had to let go of it there was because you wanted the love so much and it was right there and yet you yourself were the thing that was in the way very interesting very very interesting how did you support yourself in keeping you there when you came back to the states when you no longer had your teacher with you or you were with your teacher and you were back here and and an upset would come or uh, difficulty would surge. Uh, was the chanting enough? How did you keep yourself back in that practice and back connected with him? Well, the answer is I didn't. You know, I didn't. I wasn't able to. He sent me back, and then a few months later he died. And that was it for me. I was finished. Because being with him physically in India was the only thing that ever worked for me. Uh, you know, and I didn't I didn't really have much of a model of doing spiritual practices really. I mean, I had done meditation and we did a lot of Buddhist meditation at times when he would run away and t- disappear for months on end. We go and we do all kinds of retreats and and um courses in meditation, but the only thing that was really working for me was being with him physically. And when that wasn't there, I crashed. I died inside. And I spent many years in great despair and unhappiness. Many years. And uh, And although he had physically left you, did you have that sense that he had totally left you? No. I, I, I know he never left me. I mean... But I was unable to benefit from being. I I know he, I knew he was with me, but I wasn't with him. You know, I yes. felt I had lost my connection. It was like I would breathe in, but I wouldn't get any benefit, any oxygen from the air. And it took me a long time to 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 kind of find uh, to commit to dealing with my own stuff and to admit that it was my own stuff and my own programs and my own neurosis that was keeping me away from this love and then i had to start cleaning out the closets and stuff like that start cleaning out the closet i am with krishna das who has recorded 14 albums including his latest one Heart as Wide as the World, and Chance of a Lifetime, a book and CD combination. Chanting just hits you and you want to be part of it, Krishnadas promises. That's the whole point of it. It's what cuts through all the stuff. You get lit up and you don't have to know what it means. Some of the various CDs that you can access if you go to his website, krishnadas.com, are Flow Grace, 
Shelton Khan Krishnadas, A Drop of the Ocean, uh, Breath of the Heart, many wonderful, wonderful CDs. So definitely go visit that website and take part and pick up the book Chance of a Lifetime and you can read in full about his entire story and his journey along with having that wonderful CD. We'll be right back with Krishnadas and speak more about his journey. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up-close-and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Layering traditional Hindu kirtan with instantly accessible melodies and modern instrumentation, Krishna Das has been called yoga's rock star. He has a remarkable soulful voice that touches the deepest chord in even the most casual listener. He's known to friends and family as KD and has taken the call and response chanting out of yoga centers and into concert halls, becoming a worldwide icon and best-selling chant artist of all time. He sold over 300,000 records, and you can access his CDs at krishnadas.com. You can also access his latest book, Chants of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold. Uh, welcome back, Krishna Das. And we were talking about your experience uh, with your guru and his passing and kind of how, when that happened, everything seemed to crumble. 
but the chanting continued. Even when you didn't feel connected, you continued and you allowed yourself to bring that to the world. What was it that that gave you, uh, in, in a sense, to help you keep on going? And what was your mission in bringing it to the world? Well, first of all, it didn't continue. I basically stopped anything, doing any practices at all for many years. And uh, uh, really, I, I I really wasn't doing much of anything. And then in 1994, I was in my uh, apartment in New York City at the time, and um, I was struck with the understanding that if I did not chant with people, that I would never be able to uh, clean the dark shadows out of my own heart. And if I wanted to do that, which is what I had to do in order to find, reconnect with that love that I had to chant with people. And I could argue with that, but there was no use because it's something I I recognized and I understood. And then, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So after a while, I I had to give in to that understanding and I began to sing with people. And that was the beginning of... uh, that was a new beginning of a new path for me, or a new, a new uh, movement down the path. And then you asked me about mission. I really don't have much sense of a mission. I'm not on a mission in any way. I'm not here to save the universe. I'm here to do the best I can, be the best human being I can, and, uh, and offer this practice to people. And then they can do it for themselves. I really don't have much sense of being on a mission other than to serve that love that lives in everybody. And when you began and you returned back, it started in in yoga centers. You started uh, at a Jivamukti yoga center, Mm -hmm. and the audience would begin to grow and would begin to chant with you. Mm -hmm. And that is what has led to this um, ability to go all over the world and chant with people around the world. Yeah, that's it. Just started, went from one yoga center to another, and I did the first CD really as a calling card. I didn't really think I was going to do a lot of CDs. I just did did it in order to let people know what I was doing, and uh, I guess it worked. <laughs> they often say that uh, we teach what we are here to learn, and so much that comes from. Uh, just even the titles of your CDs has to do with the heart and it has to do with opening. Uh, And and that seems so much of what your own journey was about, was reopening that heart. And in introducing chanting to people, is is that what what you are teaching in order to learn? Uh, If you say so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a clue what I'm learning. You know, I just go from day to day best I can. And uh, I keep singing, and it feels right to me. It feels like I'm doing the right thing for myself and for for other people, and so I continue to do it. Now, Madonna, Rick Rubin um, are some of your fans. You've collaborated with Sting and Mike D of the Beastie Boys. So this is something that's really crossing many lines and, and people people connect with. 
uh, because of the sound and because of the heart. How have you seen the the world music genre change over time, and and how have, are embracing uh, our people with this more now than they used to be? Well, you know, everybody's the same. Uh, everybody wants to be happy. Uh, they may define it in different ways, call it by different names, but everybody wants the same thing. So that's the way I approach everything. You know, I treat everybody the same as I can, and uh, I just and, and the world. You know, people respond to that. I think it's not. It's 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 the fact that it's not so special that it's very simple and it's very familiar in a way. I think everybody would say that when, at least the people who like the chanting would say that it feels familiar to them, you know, because it's coming out of their own heart, that's why. And uh, as, I'm not sure, were you asking more about a musical, the musical aspects of it or... Well, just that it has changed quite a bit. Uh, the world music genre seems to be growing, and it, it does appear that people are more embracing now of different sounds and different types of music, mm-hmm. whether it's for the entertainment purposes of it or whether it is for developing a spiritual practice. Um, I was wondering how it has felt in growing uh, throughout the Western world. I know you travel all over the world, but is there a difference now that you see here versus other places, or is it generally an opening everywhere? Everywhere I go, it seems to be opening. (laughs) 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 I can't talk about when I'm not places I'm not, you know, just every place I go, people are so wonderful and so ready to jump into this, and uh, it's been really great that way, you know. I think, you know, as situation in the world gets harder and harder and and there's so much more anxiety about the future i think people are looking for a way to find the strength to deal with that stuff so that spiritual practice is that's what it does it gives us the strength and hopefully the wisdom to deal with the difficult stuff that happens in life and that's the same across the board everywhere in the world and, and there's something about coming together as many people and, and doing this practice, to have an audience or to be amongst a community, a sangha, that that really allows you to get in your own energy. And how is that supportive for an individual, especially someone that is coming from a place that you came from in terms of feeling lost or feeling depressed? Having that type of community, even if you're not... Uh, someone that's well-versed in this type of practice, but stepping into it, how can that be supportive from your perspective? Well, it's very important, you know. Even the Buddha said that uh, sangha or or company of like-minded beings is the most important thing. Uh, Being in good company is very important. Uh, You know, thieves will look for other thieves to hang out with so they can learn more about stealing and they feel good in that company because they're getting what they want. And when you want to open your heart, when you want to find love, you have to find those people who are looking for that. And you learn more about it just by being in in the company of people who 
who want the same thing as you do. So it's very important, and it seems to be, there do seem to be a lot of people getting interested in that these days. And in the course of your own uh, development of spiritual community, have you found that you've attracted to yourself your own uh small group that feels like the new spiritual family. Sometimes we're born into a family. It's not necessarily the family we would have chosen. And as we move through our journey, we accumulate the family that we would have chosen. Have you found that to be the case through this uh, lifelong journey through music? Definitely. I find that, you know, I, I met a whole group of people when I went to India that gathered around Maharaji, and we've we've remained in contact, you know, over the years. And as I go around and chant with people and meet people now, you know, a uh, different, uh, very informal group of community kind of gathers, and you feel like you're visiting your own friends. And, you know, when I sing, I feel like I'm in my living room with, you know, it doesn't matter how many people are there. I still feel very comfortable in that I'm with my, my closest friends. And it could be 10,000 people. It doesn't make any difference. I am with Krishna Das today, and he is one of the pioneers and leaders in world music. He layers traditional Hindu kirtan with instantly accessible melodies and modern instrumentation. He's been called yoga's rock star. His website is krishnadas.com, and after spending two and a half years with his Maharaji and returning to the U.S., his Maharaji had died. At that time, he took solace in music, finding peace and strength in both his Bhakti yoga practice as well as in such heroes as Ray Charles, Van Morrison, Steely Dan, and Bruce Springsteen. He has created numerous CDs, which have sold 300,000 all over the world and encompassed 14 albums, including his latest one, Heart as Wide as the World, and his latest book, Chance of a Lifetime, which is a book and CD combination. You can connect to Krishna Das at his website, krishnadas.com, and also find out more about his touring dates, cities that he is doing speaking and chanting engagements, and all of the other wonderful offerings that he has. Join us back in a few minutes, and we'll speak a little bit more with Krishna Das. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Ready to lift your spirit? Join Karen Tatanich every week for Spirit Connections. Karen will share with you the power of energy work. It can get you through the good times and the tough times. Karen will bring together stories of hope and good news based on her work with all aspects of energy. There are people and companies out there that are bringing joy to our planet. You'll learn about the power of spirit at home, at work, and at play. 
Spirit Connections is broadcast live Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back, and here's a few more sounds by Krishnadas. Shavaya song off of the Pilgrim Heart album, and he has numerous albums, 14. You can check out his website at krishnadas.com and tap into some of that wonderful sound, beautiful voice, and amazing melodies that most definitely open the heart and get the body moving. Krishnadas, there is, um, in the final chapter, there's a segment that speaks about how the rooster thinks its crowning brings the sun, and the baby often thinks its crying brings the mother but they both have their own place in the universe, and what they do is based on their own nature. And there's a quote that says, the moment you think you're doing it, the whole game is spoiled. And that was a quote by Tawari. And that was another piece that I found very, very strong, because it really isn't about what we're doing. It's it's about really the experience and and what we're getting out of it and how we're enjoying it and opening to it. How how does this all resonate with you? How how do you uh, stay away from thinking you're doing it? Oh well, that that comes that's awake. Waking up is the result of practice. You can't think yourself awake. Uh, 
spiritual practice over time allows you to kind of peek through the, the curtains at, at what's really going on. And as time goes on, those curtains open more and more, and you, you see that you, you see what a little bit more what, clearly what life is all about. The trick of it all, of course, is that who we think we are is actually the curtain. You know, um, everything we see, our bodies, our, our thoughts, our emotions. This is what's blocking the view of love. And uh, real love is experienced not by me, because me is is meanness is a very small self-centered version of, of of the universe real love includes everyone and is, is very deep it's not something that comes and goes you know you don't fall in it and you can't fall out of it doesn't you don't get it from other people it's what lives within us is who we really are so through practice, you're able to let go of your storyline little by little and sit more deeply in your own heart. But it takes practice. You need some leverage. You can't just stop thinking. You can't just grab a thought and crush it. You have to find a way to let go of stuff little by little. And you speak about how everything we do plants seeds, every action, every thought, that these are all seeds that bear some sort of fruit. And it's it's also an interesting way to look at karma. Uh, some of those seeds, like the repetition of the name, are, are beautiful ones that get caught up, like you say, um, and rest on the roof. But we do have to remember that we have all of these other seeds that we've planted and, and perhaps need to either harvest or release. And what? Either harvest or release. Well, you know, we planted those seeds, and they're going to harvest themselves. Uh, they're going to grow and blossom. How we meet those experiences is, is what's important. Once, uh, once we, when, once a seed is, is is growing, once a plant is growing. We, you have to see how whether you want to, you know, move it closer to the light, or cut it off, right? So, but the thing is, the way we greet these experiences is also creating karma too. So we have the what happens over time is you get less reactive to the things that begin to manifest in your life, and you allow things to be as they are. And let them go in a in a gentle way, because if you push things hard, away too fiercely, they say, you know, that's an attached action, and uh, those things stick to you. So you have to learn to accept things as they are. As the same moment, not reacting to them changes the way they exist in your life. You, you talk about how chanting keeps you straight, that it keeps you from going uh, into that deep place inside. It keeps you going back to that deep place inside. Do you chant also when you're alone, or, or uh, is it mostly with, with groups now? 
No, uh, chanting alone is is very powerful. Uh, I don't do it that much these days because I'm so much with people, you know. Sure. Um, chanting alone, it, it, it's very interesting for me. I have other practices I do when I'm home alone, and uh, chanting kind of takes a backseat to those practices. It's very interesting. But I do more than I used to, and uh, and I would like to do more, actually. But it just seems that life gets so busy, which is, which is why I appreciate so much the grace of, of me doing what I do uh, with people. Because, and that's why I appreciate so much what it does for me. And because, you know, I get lost in my daily life and all the nonsense that goes on. But when I'm on the road, you know, on a tour, my whole life is aimed at those moments of getting together with people and singing and chanting. So I'm very grateful for that. I've heard that uh, in, in the experience of chanting, if, if someone truly gives themselves that, uh, even as an individual, privately, that it really does allow for tremendous opening and healing. Uh, for so many things, whether it is the thoughts or the emotions or whether someone has the desire to open and lift the veils. What are some of the other practices that you utilize in your life as spiritual practice besides chanting? Well, there's other chanting that I do that's more quiet. It's not necessarily the, the, uh, the chanting that I do with other people. There's other prayers and things I chant every day. I do some asana, some pranayama, that kind of stuff. Sometimes I do different meditative techniques. But I'll do anything that I feel is going to help. You know, I, I'm not I'm not an elitist in any way. I'll, I've taken teachings from every tradition that I've been in contact with. And anything I feel will help me open my heart, I definitely want to use that. Definitely open to that. The writing of this book, Chance of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold, must have been a profound experience because when really reflecting back on one's life and going through the many experiences that shape us and, and love us and let us see ourselves, we we gain that witness understanding of who we were. How did you experience that in writing the book? It was very powerful. Uh, a lot of the book was written in the temple that I used to live in with Maharaji in India. And I would just look out over the temple, and I would see everything before my eyes. It was quite powerful. Uh, of course, I hate deadlines, so that was. <laughs> you know, I was only about a year and a half late on the deadline. <laughs> but it was very powerful to, and also writing. Writing is different than talking, you know, because you only get one chance at it. You have to say it as clearly as you can in order to communicate what you want to say to people. And so it, it takes a lot of inner work to kind of clarify things to yourself. And I had a lot of help with that, but it was definitely a process. It was a good process. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for, for being on 1111 Talk Radio, Krishna Das. I know your music has touched me deeply. I have several of your CDs you. and uh, wish you... Wish you much continued success and um, 
and expression of that voice because I think the world most definitely continues to need it. In the winter of 1968, Krishnadas met spiritual seeker Ramdas and was enthralled by the stories of his recent trip to India. Later, he left and went to India himself, where he found his own guru, and then he returned to the United States and continued chanting, developing his signature style, fusing traditional kirtan structure with Western harmonic and rhythmic sensibilities. He travels the world leading call-and-response kirtans and sharing this deep experiential practice with thousands of people. You can find out more about him at krishnadas.com, access his latest book, Chants of a Lifetime, Searching for a Heart of Gold, in which there is the book and the CD combination, and also... Do yourself a favor and purchase some of his CDs because they are absolutely wonderful. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.